In an article that was released in the middle of May 2018, Hill Farmstead owner and brewer Sean Hill stated that there's not enough discussion in the brewery industry about addiction or mental health. Well, this article is very much... uh, it went back and forth. Uh, I read a lot that I, I really uh, related to and I, I aligned with, but some people just felt it was way out of hand and maybe he said too much. And this is something when we get into mental mental health, uh, where do we start? Where do we talk? Where do we, where do we get into? And a lot of people start to think that it's just about addiction and it's really not. So... Some of us believe that there should be more discussion, and it, and it does deserve it. It really does. Uh, so me, being unbiased, and, and I'm a third party to all the breweries, I was asked to speak on a, on a panel at the Florida Brewers Guild's conference, the FBC uh, 2018. So I have to say a huge thank you to Sean Norquist for that, allowing me to be there and being on the panel. And in these last 18 months, i got to be honest with you guys, I've seen how the brewing industry can take a toll on the human body. I, and... and also the psyche, if you will, and definitely mental mental health. Uh, I've been quiet about it for a lot of it because it's fun and, and, and you know, someone needs to talk to me, I do, and I'm never going to mention names, and then, and I am there. People really do see me as this this voice and also a, an ear to listen, and I, and I appreciate that, and I will always keep that, you know, to myself, and, and I thank everybody for doing that. So if you really ever need anything, if it's a brewer or somebody in a tap room, or a rep, please, I'm always here if you ever want to talk. And uh, I know amazing people who have left this brewery, uh, the beer industry, because of the alcohol consumption could be too much, and the hours that it takes. I mean, it could take a toll on you. And some people I know have to be at two or three places in a day when it comes to any beer event, or you know, reps have to just travel a lot, and it does take a toll. It takes a toll on a marriage, and a relationship, and a family so now that I've started this podcast, you know, and I am a co-owner of a new project and some stuff coming out, and honestly, there's more events, panels, fests. It's been a really busy, busy time for me. So for me, uh, I need to balance stuff out, and I, I do mention it in what what you're about to hear. Um, and there is there is good to it. Uh, I really do believe if you could really take care of your mental health, uh, meditating, or, or just knowing how to eat better, or knowing when to drink, uh, there, it, it helped, it's definitely helped me a lot. And this panel you're about to hear, uh, let's get into that. It's the bear in the room, that's what it's called, it's in a discussion about the mental health in the brewing industry, and again, a huge thank you to the FBC, uh, the Florida Brewers Guild for this, a uh, huge, massive thank you to the moderator, Jacqueline Gar- Garman. Jackie is your co-owner and uh, at Hidden Springs Aleworks. That's down in Tampa. And she's also a wife to the head brewer, Josh Garman. That's there. And um, I love Josh because Josh, uh, I see a lot in me with him. Uh, very kind soul, but plays the father to a lot that happens. And I think I kind of take that role with this, with what ails you in any, in any film that I've done or anything I've ever really done. I kind of like to just be that 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 support, and I kind of get into that. And then, so this is a 90-minute discussion that we're breaking up into two parts. And we really, we don't talk about Sean Hill, which I wish we would have. And this is something that is not going to stop here. This 90 minutes is not enough. Uh, you could do 90 days of this. In fact, there could be podcasts about this in mental health in different areas. And so... Where do I fit in? Uh, this year, you know, I've lost a friend, uh, one of the breweries. 
close to me. I lost a friend uh, due to mental mental health. Uh, Scott Hutchison of Frightened Rabbit, one of my my all time favorite songwriters. Uh, his suicide on May 8th, May 9th, uh, happened this year. Uh, Tony Bourdain, uh, thank you for everything. And that gets mentioned in this in this conversation. Um, it's been rough. Uh, I've seen, uh, in my family, I've seen uh, drug addiction, deaths to it. Um, I uh, Loved ones have died due to it. Um, it's not fun. And it's, it's, it's sad. And I wish, we always say we wish we could have done more. So when I was reached out about two months ago for this panel, I jumped right on. And I, I, I remember being asked to speak on a panel. I went, holy shit, yes. I get to speak about promotions or podcasting, social media. No, it was asked to be on a panel about mental health in the brewing industry. And this is my first ever panel. And I know now that it's definitely not going to be our last. Already we we're getting asked to do more stuff for it. And I thought, well, shit, you know what? We put this up on Twitch live when it happened. We're going to do two episodes of it. Here's my disclaimer. A lot of this that you're about to hear. Not a lot. Not a lot. I take that back. I'm sorry. All of this that you're about to hear is the full panel. It is the full panel. Uh, Some things are beeped out to kind of hide my own personal things. And that's not in this hour. It'll be in the second hour. Uh, Sad Myth will definitely take the realm of that and understand how I want to kind of keep my own personal life out. But I did mention who I am, where I am, and where I work and things like that. But... What I want to say is that I don't agree with some of the things that were were said on this, and you'll hear me get vocal, not in this episode, but I do say something in the next episode, and I kind of wanted to go back to the matter at hand, and that's we don't have enough time to talk about the things that matter when it comes to mental health. So please enjoy this 90 minutes. Next week, we're going to post the next 90 minutes. So I'm breaking it up, kind of what Jackie uh, wanted to do as a moderator that we were given the two hours. It is a 90, 90, 98 minute uh, panel as we took a break, but uh, it will be posted. And if you want to see it, it's on Twitch TV under What Ails You Podcast. We're up there. So um, so let's go ahead really quick and do our, uh, our Patreon announcement and get into it. I think this has been long enough, but uh, I wanted you guys to understand why I'm posting this and why What Ails You should be posting this and why this should be something if you know anybody in the brewing industry talk to them get to know them uh also really quick uh when we talk about the patreon uh if you don't want to give to the patreon and we understand that uh maybe the shirts aren't your thing maybe you just like to listen here's the best way also to give back to us is if you're sitting at a tap room if you're sitting at a beer bar if you're sitting at a bar Tell the person next to you what Wet Alesia is. And remember, it's not just a beer podcast. We talk to the brewers about what's in their hearts, what's in their lives, and what's in their passion. That's where we get to, and we kind of want you to tell somebody about it as well. We learn a lot while we do this, and we want to educate and inform you as well. So if you want to pay this forward, if you want to see what ails you shine, and honestly, you're now in, we're in the 60s, I think, in the, these episodes. Like, please, tell the person next to you. Let them know. Let them know. Let somebody know about what ails you. Pass it forward. So, uh, enough talking about this. Let's let's get into the panel. Okay. Patreon is a website that allows musicians, artists, and podcasters like myself to give back to our fan base, our listeners, and subscribers and fans who want more than what we're just posting here. Patreon.com slash what ails you allows us to post more content, video and audio, insight on who we are, and helps us build to the next level. Well, by now, you may have seen us on YouTube, 
twitch.tv, and that we're also planning that new podcast. Well, that's where you could help in signing up for our Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash and you will see the levels of memberships we have for exclusive content, that's video and audio, all the new and exclusive shirts that we have, and all that cool swag, or even being our guest and joining us at events that us, What Ails you, will be hosting. Check it out. Patreon.com slash What Ails you. Back to the show. All right, we're going to go ahead and get started. And we apologize for starting late. Sean did give us two hours, though, so I only wanted an hour and a half, so we'll actually meet that. Um, again, I want to thank you all for being here. And um, we're doing a little bit of a different format, and I'm going to talk about how to utilize this integration, because we really do want you a part of the audience. So we're going to go ahead and get started. Um, my name is Jacqueline Garman, and I'm with Hidden Springs Ale Works. And I own um, Hidden Springs with my husband, Josh Garman, and our business partner, Austin Good. In June, I was asked by Sean, our executive director of the Guild, to put this panel together. No pressure, right? But it was a no-brainer to do this as I live in two worlds because I'm also a mental health practitioner in private practice. And you can imagine they are night and day in all areas. For example, if you come to my office, you won't find any alcohol and you'll never see me shotgun a beer with a client. My form of decompression after sessions back-to-back is a drive home with music, preferably no lyrics, and definitely not NPR because I'm already talked out for the day. But in the brewery world, the way we decompress and deal with our stress looks drastically different than other professions because we can easily access or rationalize that one drink as another brewery peer walks in as part of the job. And our boundaries aren't as clear when work turns to pleasure. Sean Hill's interview drew a lot of attention when the morning advertiser reported his own challenges with mental health and the beer industry not discussing mental health and alcohol. Another owner, Scott Sullivan of Greenbush Brewing, whose interview got lost attention, opened up about his own struggles with mental health and the destruction it had on both his business and later family life. These two stories represent life in the brewing industry that we're less inclined to talk about. And when we look at the data, more than 15 million people struggle with alcohol use disorder in the US, but less than 8% of those receive treatment. With respect to binge drinking, more than 65 million Americans report binge drinking in the past month, which is more than 40% of the total current alcohol users. Research into substance misuse clearly finds strong links between the use of drugs and alcohol and mental health problems, physical injury, reduced workplace productivity, accidents, drunk driving, and violence. In our industry, where some view heavy consumption as the cultural norm, we even have the unofficial slogan at Hidden Springs, welcome to the shit show. The stress of living up to the brand, the unmet mental health needs because of the lack of healthcare access, and the ready-made elixir available to cope with all of the above are a recipe for disaster for many. Today, we've brought panelists to discuss mental health and substance use in the industry. The goal to remove the stigma surrounding mental health and encourage others to share their challenges in hopes that more people will ask for help when needed. In the words of Eleanor Roosevelt, what we don't do as an industry can be a destructive choice. We want you involved in the conversation today. So whether you're here in our audience or watching remotely via Twitch TV, thanks to what else, yeah, you can go to www.slido.com and join um, entering the participant passcode 8483. You can do it anonymously or you can add your name to the questions. Also at the end of the discussion, our mental health practitioners on the panel have offered to be available if you need more information or have additional questions. Before I introduce you to the panel, I want to go ahead and take a poll to get you familiar with using Slido, because I want to kind of get you hooked in and asking questions of our panelists. All right, so 
which is okay. <laughs> you got it? Okay. So that was pretty easy to use, right? I've heard original is actually one of the better ones. <laughs> it's delicious. What is icing? Does someone from the audience want to explain icing? <laughs> you don't want to out yourself? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Kent. Love it. You have been. I feel like we could probably talk about a bunch of people in the last couple of days having been iced. So could you tell us? That's fair. <laughs> and if you, and there's also the rule, if you notice that it's a Smirnoff, the person trying to ice you now has to. Oh, that's a, okay. That's specific no, to that's other breweries. <laughs> yeah, it happened to me. Okay. True story. <laughs> okay, so now you know, if you didn't know what icing is, welcome to craft beer. <laughs> All right, and then um, something that keeps coming up is, what is this bear doing here? Um, so we have a thing at Hidden Springs, when the guys get a little rowdy, we say that the bears are out. So for Josh's birthday, I had to have a bear at his birthday party, and he's sort of become a staple now at the brewery. So the bear's out. He, yes, <laughs> and his name is Cuddles, in case you're wondering. And we didn't name him, our five-year-old did. So he probably would have had a cooler name, but Cuddles works too. All right, so we're going to go ahead and get started. I'm going to introduce you to the panel, and um, starting with my left, or my left, your right, Devin Krebs owns Seventh Sun Brewery in Dunedin in Tampa. She studied fermentation science at or Oregon State University and got her start as a brewer for Anheuser-Busch in St. Louis. She later went on to become the production manager for Sweetwater in Georgia. After years as a professional brewer, Devin opened up Seventh Sun in Dunedin in December 2011, tapping their first beer on her birthday, January 7th, 2012. Last year, they opened their second location in Tampa, and today she does all things from overseeing the operations to brewing collabs with some of the best-known breweries around the world and is a leading woman in craft beer. And you also now know her birthday, so you better send her a birthday card. Right. <laughs> what ails you, buddy? That's what Brian Quain wants to get to know on each interview of the What Ails You podcast. Brian started What Ails You to educate and inform the Florida beer culture by utilizing the passionate and brilliant minds of brewers. No brewery in Florida is too far for him, and he speaks to every brewer and brewery to learn more about their culture, their journey, and their beer. Since the launch of the podcast, it took no time for them to go national, and they now have global reach. It's always been What Ails You's vision to be a media group, and they recently launched Video Contact, and we're live today because of them. Besides Florida brewers, What Ails You speaks on behalf of the beer culture and industry as a whole. Just like beer, they are always working on it to be the best it can be for listeners in the craft beer community. Dr. Cindy Parsons is an associate professor at the University of Tampa in the Department of Nursing. She has worked as a psychiatric nurse practitioner for the past 25 years and is in private practice right down the street from my office. Um, when she isn't lecturing, leading teams of students on public health and nursing trips, or providing incredible bedside mental health care to the community and the students at UT, she can be found legislating for better health care policy in Florida. And last but not least, Leanne Cura. She's owner and president of the Center for Rational Living and a mental health practitioner. Like Cindy, she too wears many hats. Her company holds the contract for providing services to individuals referred to drug court in Pinellas County. 
and offers a DUI school in Hillsborough County. She has extensive experience in treating alcohol and other substances. When Uber and Lyft came to the community, she thought her business would shut down, but she's busier than ever. She brings a unique perspective as she formerly worked in the restaurant industry and she knows firsthand the challenges the hospitality industry faces with mental health and substance use. Welcome, and thank you again for doing this. So, all right, so we're gonna get started. And my first question is to you, Devin. Uh, what makes talking about mental health and substance use so challenging, do you think, in our industry? I mean, I think probably everybody would agree that in general it's just a difficult topic. Um, and just socially, in, at least in this country, I mean, I think people look at mental issues as anything you're dealing with that's um, to do with the mind is something that you should like have control over or have a grip on. And like so, if you admit that like something's not working or something's getting out of your control, then that makes it look like you don't have control over your own life. And so I think that that's, you know, there's a stigma around that. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, especially in an industry where, you know, we're, ha we're having fun and we're so close and there's so much camaraderie, it's, uh, you know, you don't want to kind of spoil things with, you know, something like a, a bummer like mental health, you know, but not to say it's a bummer, but you know what I mean? Like, it feels like a bummer, you know, <laughs> like talking about, oh, I think I'm drinking too much lately. You know, it's like, you know, I don't know. It, it's not something people want to hear um, or deal with. So, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what would you say, Brian? Brian, you came into the industry. You didn't, yeah. you haven't been in it for a really long time. What would not you at say? All. Uh, almost two years now. And, uh, I've been in the indie film industry for 21 years, and that was hard, you know, seeing a lot of mental health going on in there, uh, a lot of filmmakers or TV stars, you know, getting to know there. This, what we're doing this week, I, I feel is very much like a film festival. We're all getting to know each other, it's like a summer camp feel, and we're having fun, but it also is that, you know, deeper conversations start happening. You start learning more about each other, and it's just like, oh, wow, like, I, we're no different from each other. We're all going through our own shit, and as I feel, um, coming into the beer industry, it is, it's there, it is there, it's no different than the film industry, media, you know, everybody has the same passion. Uh, I've worked with a lot of bands and I feel like beer is like music, where you're, you're making that craft and you're trying to make the best thing possible, but you're also on the road a lot, I know you're on the road a lot, so your mind might be back at home even though you're out. Uh, a lot of things with filmmakers or bands the same way, I just kind of see that Again, it's no different. You guys are so passionate. The brewers are so passionate. You're making such great music, if you will, or film, you know, craft beer, that it's just the passion is there. It's going to be there. Mental, mental issues and mental health is going to be there based on is something happening home, something happening at the brewery, or something going on in your life. And so, yeah, coming so into it. It's it, You know, me going through even doing music, film, and now this, uh, my own issues appear. And uh, it's no different, I feel. so. Yeah, it's there, it's definitely there. And I like what you said about every day, you know, um, we all have it, you know, we, so. Yeah. Um, Sorry. I think part of the issue too is that in smaller businesses, you don't have that support system around you. You don't have your HR people, you are your HR people. Um, so that monitoring becomes self-monitoring and, and that's a bit difficult. Um, you know, you're spending a lot of time with your work, um, and as you said, um, often away from your family and on the road. Uh, so who is your objective person that's helping to look at what's going on with you? 
And do do you do people have the yeah the objective person? I don't know. Do yeah. they? Yeah. I mean, and and isn't it difficult? Um, your colleagues are they going to call you out on it? Maybe not. Um, and so I think that um, Devin, when you spoke about that, it's not a comfortable thing to talk about um, outside of the industry. It's not comfortable. So inside the industry, where we're having fun, um, and you know, is it that I'm getting too carried away, or is it just the alcohol? You know, then it becomes a little bit more difficult to determine if it's an underlying mental health problem. What's going on? I think that. Um, one of the problems, too, is that substance abuse and um, leads a lot to depression and uh, anxiety. So it's kind of like, which came first, the chicken or the egg? And um, it's just, that's the way it goes. And so sometimes people recognize they have an issue with substance abuse because they become depressed and be, or so anxious. And then, you know, it's kind of a vicious cycle that just keeps going. And that's a really big issue. Yeah, I mean, I can. I can speak to that personally. I mean, I know for me, like, you know, a lot of times when you are traveling and you're, you're going and you're doing all these beer events and, you know, you're just drinking God knows how many beers in a day or, mm -hmm. you know, like liquor, whatever. Um, when, I, when I'll get back home from, you know, several days of that, I'll, I'll go through like a depressive Depression. state for right. sometimes a few days. And, um, you know, for me, when I was younger, I did have, you know, some, sometimes I would just kind of, Nothing like super heavy, but I would get depressed every once in a while. So I've asked myself that before, like, you know, is this what, what, what came first, you know? Right. And so, I mean, you know, I've, I've gone to see a therapist about it. I've, I'm, you know, taking like Wellbutrin and stuff like that, but it's like, you know, it doesn't help my case anymore when I'm, you know, going and binge drinking essentially. You know, so. <laughs> yeah, and you're, we talked a little bit about that, yeah. that experience of like going to a therapist and she had you filling out an assessment. And I know yeah. Josh laughs because when he goes to the doctor and they have him fill out the part that says like, how much have you been drinking yeah. on a weekly basis? And he just fills in, I own a brewery. <laughs> you know, like what can you put there? I mean, you're, yeah. you've got to be honest. Like, I'm how wondering do you... <laughs> if I've, I've literally ever been honest yeah. with that question. And, as and, and for us as clinicians, we always like sometimes triple it when you mm -hmm. tell us what your number is. Mm -hmm. Like we don't take it at face value. <laughs> We're like, yeah, it's probably a little bit more. Um, but yeah, you had talked about like walking in and sort of doing this assessment and sort of having this realization of like, wow, yeah. well, there's yeah, drinking, I mean, yeah. a lot of drinking going on here. I mean, she gave me like a base, you know, just kind of like, okay, here's a standardized test about, you know, has this happened to you? Has this happened to you? Blah, blah. I mean, down to like, have you fallen down when you're drunk? I mean, stuff like that. And when we get to the end, she's like, yeah, you know, like, it's like not looking good. And I'm like, but I'm pretty sure like half the people in this room could probably answer the, the thing the same way I did. So it's like, you know, it's become so normalized in the industry, like, you know, compared to, I don't know, it seems like sometimes we all just go, well, yeah, this is just normal. Well, in like other situations, a lot of times it's totally not normal, but mm -hmm. you know, where do you go with that? Like, I don't want to just completely give up on it, you know, because it's part of my job and it's how I, I enjoy it too, you know? You're like finding mm -hmm. that balance. Yeah, finding the balance. I think that's the what does that look difficult. like? Yeah. The struggle yeah. to find a balance. I mean, and I think we talked about that too, where, yeah. you know, you've got people coming into town, well, I think a lot of breweries struggle with this. You know, you're trying to get work done, but you also want to like 
do the, you know, shaking, I would say it backwards, shaking babies and kissing hands. Well, <laughs> not really shaking babies, but yeah, you want to stop and, you know, entertain and, and get people sort of, you know, feeling comfortable in your place. But then that process of going and drinking some more um, and just sort of that culture. Yeah. It's the struggle. Yeah, I mean, for sure. It's, you know, I can be having a normal work day and then somebody is popping in from out of town and they're like, oh, let's have a beer, you know, and then you kind of, everything gets disrupted. So, and it's, uh, sometimes I think it's difficult to, to be like, you know, sorry, I'm working. This isn't the time for me. You know, there is some peer pressure involved in it, you know, as well. So. Yeah, since you mentioned that, for fun, let's go ahead and put a poll out to the question. For fun. Yeah, for fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, audience, go ahead and feel free to vote for a second. I wish it told you how many. Oh, no, it does. Yeah, it tells it does. you how many. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the ticker's going up. <laughs> All right, so, so, true story. When Devin and I were talking, I thought this was kind of funny. She, and I hope it's okay. I'm, I'm not yeah, going to embarrass you. She said, and I'm going to tell your age, is that okay? That's fine. Okay. She said, I'm 43 years old. Oh, and no, I'm 40. Oh, you're 40. Slow down. Okay. Right. Yeah. You're getting your, you're getting your panelists mixed up. Oh, that's right. Brian's 43. I just thought it. Okay. So she said, I'm only 40 years. I'm 40 years old, and I've never felt more peer, peer pressure as a 40-year-old woman than I did in high school. Yeah. Um, so I think it speaks yeah. volumes to a lot of the peer pressure that sometimes, yeah. and let's kind of talk about that from like, what does peer pressure look like? And I do want to sort of also then talk about Florida craft beer being a younger um, industry and how that almost like correlates when we look at development and human and humans and how it also parallels with the industry that we work in. Peer pressure. I mean, you, you go to do podcasts and walk into breweries. Yeah. And, you <laughs> What's know, your peer pressure look like? So, so I am going to use Josh as a great example, but to start, it, <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny. Pick on that, Josh today. Yeah, we're picking on you, buddy. I'll talk to Cuddles. Um, what, what for me, it's almost to a point now that the brewers know uh, that we're coming and they listen to the episodes now. Before, when we started, when we didn't even did an episode with you guys, it was just like, oh, they have no idea what to expect. They're just like, hey, you know, what's this going to be like? Let's talk about the beer. Mm -hmm. So all the beer is there. I'm like, all right, we'll talk about the beer later. I give a shit about you. Uh, we come to Hidden Springs. Uh, Brennan and I come to Hidden Springs, and you guys like invited the whole team in. And the peer pressure was, all right, big stew, go get the drinks, and da 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 da. And everybody, I mean, it was the best party ever. But I'm having to remember that I'm driving home. And to I Orlando. Went, to Orlando. We're From coming Tampa. back to our base. Yeah. So um, I'm okay. Like, I am the one that just says, I know my limit. I always have. The way I started drinking beer was based on soccer, football. Uh, and every 45 minutes was when I had a, a beer, like a pint or a snifter. And that was it. So my limit is just, I'm fine. After two beers, I'm good. I know my limit. And here is everybody just drinking. And I'm like, this is the best fucking time. But at the same time, I'm like, I, I'm good. As long as I'm with the people that I love and that's what we're having at that moment, that is my high. That is my drink. That is, and the beers are great. But I think knowing, I've never been peer pressured to stay for another beer. I, 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 and I've always believed that is my limit. Uh, and I never drink. Uh, I, I started drinking my first sip of alcohol, and this is crazy. I, I think I'm admitting this at 27. Because I wasn't straight edge. I just had a record store. Bands would play. I respected them not to have any alcohol. 
even though some may or not that sneak beer in or, or any drink in, but I just was like, it wasn't my thing. And uh, my dad died of a drug overdose when I was seven, and I was raised by my mom and my older sister. My mom has been clean for 43 years after having me, and I kind of maybe was raised on that, and I respected that. And now, still, I kind of have that feeling. I feel I've only been drunk three times in my life and blacked out once. And uh, I, there's a... <laughs> And it wasn't you. No, you had to drive you. home. No, <laughs> Brennan did. The, the, but no, there's still puke on the side of my car from that uh, I-4 drive. But, it was like a year ago. He needs to clean his car. Yeah, no, I cleaned it. I cleaned it. The son took care of that, though. Um, but yeah, I, I honestly feel that uh, just knowing a limit is where I felt there will be no peer pressure. I don't let that voice tell me, keep drinking, keep drinking. And I really hope that is something that more people can learn, that there is no need for peer pressure. I am at a beer conference, guys, right now. And like honestly, I, only, I didn't even have a beer yesterday. I am on you the keto diet. One. Yeah, you I, remember that little? The, the yeah. trick. Yeah, you I had my beer. little taster. That was it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, honestly, I, I, I'm on the keto diet. I, I kind of let myself tell myself how I'm going to, to do, and I want to lose this weight. We're doing video now, so I have to. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah. I'm bound. So. Well, I think, but you also mentioned, you're talking about peer pressure, and you're saying, I am choosing not to allow it to impact me. But we also have to think about other people may not have that developed sense of right. self to be able to not allow. Mm -hmm. So they may feel like, I need to be a part of this experience to feel like I'm fitting in or not be like the odd man out here or woman. There um, is that this, total yin-yang. Yeah, there and is. they may not have that ability. Yeah. I think, Cindy, you, you, we've talked a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, and, and what we talked about, and, and I like how you, you discuss it. When you go in, it's like it was the best party. But you all in the industry are employers. Um, and so where do your boundaries come? Um, and I think that that's Part, and we, we've talked about this, about the maturation of an industry. You know, you all are in a fairly nascent industry, um, and so has owners um, and, and employers, you haven't developed that cohesive sense of peers to hold each other accountable either. Um, and, and so that's, you know, hopefully something that will come out of this conference is some discussion about that. You know, what's our responsibility and where do we draw the lines? You know, having employees, leave the facility intoxicated, what's your accountability and responsibility to that person getting home safely? So um, I think that hopefully y'all will start having some discussion about that. Um, I, I totally talk agree. Yeah. yeah. And you talked in the past when you worked at AB, they had you do Yeah, so, so when uh, we would do taste panel, I think they did it every day, and. Um, I didn't do it every day, it was the upper management did, but uh, after, every time after taste panel, you would have to blow in the breathalyzer. I mean, and we weren't really ever drinking that much, and it was like Bud or Bud Light, so, you know, it wasn't very strong, so, but that was like their, you know, they were to that degree, where it was, they wanted to make sure there was a record of, you know, that you hadn't overconsumed and then left in case anything was to happen. And probably the idea being, I mean, when you came in, probably years prior, they didn't have policies like that. Those policies oh, probably yeah. came out after <laughs> yeah. something bad like, happened. I, I, yeah. Policies <laughs> usually written reactively. Yeah, um, I'd hear stories back in the day about people just drinking all over the place, you know, other, you know, other kind of crazy things happening. And by the time I was there, it was like, you know, if, if 
you, if you were drinking on the job at all, you were like fired unless you were management and you had to, we had to taste beers also before they were released into the packaging line. So, um, but yeah, they cracked down on it pretty hard. And you had said you're just recently working on policy and, and you guys have been operating for five years now, six years? It'll be seven years seven in January. Years. Okay. Yeah. Which is pretty common. So yeah. you kind of, you know, a lot of people come into this industry, um, very small amount of people creating the brewery and policy and procedures get sort of made after the fact when yeah. things settle down. It becomes like, it's not like An it's a low priority thing, but it's just hard to address when you've got a million things going on. You know, I'm sure as everybody here knows, you know, you're putting out fires, you're trying to deal with 20 different issues and also trying to have a plan and, you know, look to the future and, you know, anyway, it's, yeah, it's, it's difficult to spend the time on that and to make it a priority, but it, it is really important to do. I think that it's a good idea to probably buy breathalyzers and, and practice with this. They're only $150. Mm. I think a lot of people, I have breathalyzers at my facility and I've taken them home and we've had, you know, experiences where you drink something and then you are really surprised that yeah. that's yeah. the kind of, and I just don't think people are really aware of that. And just real quick, back to peer pressure, I hear this all the time with people in treatment that the peer pressure is the biggest problem and most everyone I can think of that actually sticks to their guns and says, I'm not going to do this and or I'm driving or I'm taking prescriptions or I'm on a diet, people back right off. And so I think yeah. it's more of an issue in your mind than it's actually a real issue because friends and families and people that love you are not going to push you to do something that's dangerous. So I just think it's got to be a habit of, because people will tell me, I thought it was going to be so hard. I thought they were going to like, oh, you're such a poor, you know, and everyone's report is it really wasn't that hard. People just stopped pushing it. Yeah. Um, we have a question from the audience, and we get it to come up. More Smirnoff ice. More Smirnoff <laughs> ice. Uh, I'm not connecting for some reason to the internet again. I, it dropped me. I'll just go ahead and give it. Um, are craft breweries conducting responsible vending training? I know we do, right, Josh? Responsible vending training? Yeah, we do. You yeah, I mean, like it? tips training, you know, and that's it. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Just a good good thing to be doing. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Josh, do you attend them? Yeah. Um, okay, I guess I am attached to the internet and I what's it. going on. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> all right. so, someone's messaging me. Um, <laughs> all right, so um, what I, one of the questions I wanted to ask was what are some of the ways that we can sort of support positive mental health in our industry? Like, how can we do that? We have alcohol as a coping mechanism, which from a clinical perspective, we would say that's not really a healthy way. Right. So what are some of the healthy ways that we could be promoting that within the industry? What do you guys think? No. <laughs> okay, um, for me, I got to a point where I was doing three jobs, right? I, I, I still work, uh, I have my, my job job, uh, went down part-time about a year ago. Uh, to focus more on what ails you. So that became a full-time job. Um, what ails you is a full-time job. And then I was realizing more going into a beer promotions or beverage promotions company starting up a few months ago. Well, holy shit, I got another full-time job coming up. And what was, what would I, what, I needed to do something. Well, uh, where I work, they kind of promoted this. 
there's a wellness challenge that you have to do. Here's a free app. It's 10% happier. And I went, well, this is great. I just started meditating about a month ago. And I was using it to meditate. Uh, get it. And then, this is not a joke. Uh, if you have not listened to the book, Catching the Big Fish by David Lynch, uh, yes, writer, director, executive producer, you know, Twin Peaks, Blue Velvet. Uh, he's been meditating every day for 38 years, uh, 40, 40 minutes a day. And I thought, I'm going to download his book about meditating. This should be fun. Uh, I listened to it four times in a row, just based on if this man can do it. And he's one of my heroes. I have Twin Peaks tattooed on me. Um, <laughs> I learned so much from that book that I went, I, I need to do more of this. I need to learn more of what meditation is. My wife had seen now, and even my business partner, I feel when I started meditating, you could see that there was more of a, a focus and an understanding that I want to get more done in this, and those things will come later. Uh, we will go to the breweries. The beer will be there. We're coming to conferences now. The beers will be there. We're hosting a lot more events now. We're being asked to do a lot more. The beers will be there, but it's going to take a lot of work to get there. 10% Happier was a great app that I, I went with. Uh, I know Mindspace is one. Just looking, and also, honestly, if you have Audible, try it. Download David Lynch's the Catching the Big Fish. Uh, again, I'm the, one of the biggest David Lynch's, Lynch fans, uh, but it just came down to meditating has helped me immensely. Crazy, crazy. Um, yeah, I, I love it. I think that's one thing we could do if the breweries are not giving, do, do it for yourself, I think is where mm -hmm. I should start it. Well, know? yeah, and I, I think probably the struggle is like finding the time because a lot of, you know, it's not a nine to five job. People a lot of yeah. times are like working around the clock and finding those avenues, like, you know, hitting the gym isn't always making the... <laughs> No, right? I think I've only seen a couple of people in the gym here this weekend. <laughs> no one's 20, at the gym. 20 minutes in the morning. Jillian said, me. People go to the gym. Someone said to me, Some people go to the gym at hotels. <laughs> they do. They do, yeah, they right? Do. They do. Yeah. Nobody wants to see that. Um, we have a question from the audience. So, one of the questions was Do fellow brewers allow staff to drink during their shifts? Can we have Question. a raise of hands? I think yeah. I could say, you know, if the brewers want to say or owners want to say. Um, <laughs> I mean, technically, I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's a liability, so it, it shouldn't be done. I, you know, admittedly, um, will allow like people to taste beers, you know, um, just so they can be able to discuss it. But um, no, in general, when you're at work, you're at work, and you're not drinking. Um, that's our policy, so. So we, we talked about this before, Jacqueline, as we were preparing about boundaries um, and how do you instill those boundaries? Um, yeah, how and, do you enforce that? You know, that? it's really hard if you start out not having the boundaries to then make that culture change. And mm -hmm. how do you do that? Um, do you come down as the bad guy? And I, and I think that some of it is just discussion with the staff and, and talking about what your vision, your values are. Um, and moving it away from just the drinking. Um, so, you know, I'd encourage all of you who do allow your staff to drink during their shifts to think about what, what's the purpose in that. Um, and, right. you know, what do we want to do as our business um, rather than just thinking about it being leisure. Um, it really is your livelihood and, and how do you want to attract customers. And, I don't know that that's all, you know, having intoxicated employees is probably, you know, 
when we talked about it, I said, how many of you would want to go to a doctor that was intoxicated? Probably not, right? <laughs> so, so if you can think about it in that context, it probably helps a little bit. I think it comes from the top down, too. I mean, mm -hmm. you've got to set the example so that they're not seeing the people that are the leaders or the managers be engaging in that behavior. Coming from the restaurant business, I also feel that probably that shift drink is a big no-no, and I'm sure I wasn't popular when I had that policy, but I mean, I would rather feed them than send them on the road. And I know one shift drink leads to more drinking, and it's just a huge problem. I, see, I hear it. I, I would say probably 75% of my clientele are from the hospitality restaurant bar business because it's just a chronic problem, and almost all of them will report it started with a shift drink, and I think it just opens the floodgates. People work late, they're tired, you know, and, it, and most of them don't stop at one. Some of them move to different places, and those where they socialize with their friends. You know, they, a lot of them can't go home because people at home are asleep. So I just yeah. think it's like a whole cultural thing that kind of needs to be addressed. So from what I did was, you know, I didn't drink, and nobody else did. And yeah. I also didn't allow them to come when their days off or people that come, you know, on their days off back to their place of employment because nothing good's going to come from that. I mean, they need, if they want to go do their thing, go do your thing, but you don't need to do that in front of your coworker, in my opinion. Okay. Plus, I think that that leads to people performing poorly the next day when you encourage that kind of, you know, and late night drinking. Those kind of policies are the, the things that help to build the boundaries. Right. Um, and you and, and um, I have talked about how prevalent substance abuse is in the industry. So the hospitality industry is number three in substance abuse, only to follow minors, which absolutely shocked me, um, and construction workers. So it is a very prevalent problem. And you know, at the beginning when you were um, talking, you know, substance use and overuse um, does lead to depression and anxiety, and and then you can perhaps have that underlying mental health problem, and now you're fueling the fire. Leanne, you said something, uh, tired. You use the word tired, right? Getting tired. Mm -hmm. uh, one of my heroes in the brewing industry, uh, we, we had an interview about a, a year and a month ago or two, and it was impressive how much they like to drink. And they were, you know, and every time I saw them, and I'm noticing throughout the last few months, he's calmed down a lot, calmed down a lot, and becoming the bigger role like the father of the, of the brewery, and I noticed that there might be a point where they're going into their two year that you realize that, okay, I might need to make that shift change, and I think it takes a certain amount of time too. Uh, I've noticed other brewers doing it, so yeah, again, one of my heroes that makes beer, and I love him, their family to us, I just said, I recently, I think in the last month, said, this is, this is great, like mm -hmm. watching it calm down and being more of that role model and are they nervous that, wait, they're going to notice there's a shift change or there's a, this drinking change in me? And I go, you're, you're the father of this. They're going to love you every, every day in any way. So right. I think you can learn after a while, like, I can't do this every day. I can't. I'm tired. And that's what they said to me. I'm tired. Right. So, so uh, I have a couple of questions that popped up, but I wanted to share. Barry, where are you? Hey, Barry. Oh, hey, Barry. Um, so Barry, not a question. But one thing they do is encourage, and Barry, you are with MotorWorks, in case people didn't know that. So they encourage safe practices by, they do provide breathalyzers. Okay. Good. 
and um, say that again? Every car, every run. Okay. And a Uber budget. That's awesome. Wow. Okay. So $100 per month on an Uber. And they tend to be. I like that, yeah. Well, I think that awareness, and Leanne, you were talking about how you brought it out at family parties. You know, that's what clinicians do for fun. Let's bring the right. breathalyzer up. Yes. We're going <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm coming to your Christmas party next right. year. We're going to find a, out what two drinks contest, Jackie does. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, having that awareness, I think, is really important because our different tolerance levels, our sizes. But I, I want to highlight, you said they feel safe. And that isn't that what isn't it what it's about as owners, if we're owners here, or if you're an employee and you're working for an organization, you want to feel like you're in a safe place. Um, and I think that's really great to hear that it makes them feel safe by knowing they have that as an option. So a question that came up from the audience, they're kind of similar, so I'll actually bring them up together. One of them is, what should we do if a colleague has an issue? What steps do we take? And then the other one is, do you, how do you tend to a specific staff person who has a substance issue rather than the entire staff? So what do you guys think on the end? What would be probably best practice? Well, I think to address it right away is definitely the best practice. Um, and just say, you know, I noticed that this is going on. What We need to take some steps to do something about it. Um, we were saying that the alcohol abuse in this industry is third, but drug use is first. So of all the professions, so we, there's a lot of drug stuff going on too, drug abuse issues. And so I, I would think it would be good to have pretty much no drug policy with staff and owners. And I mean, I guess they have the right to do what they do, but certainly not while they're working. And so I tried to do implement like a drug testing policy in the rest. I was in the fine dining restaurant, full bar. So, and um, basically I walked back into the back and said, you know, we're going to drug test everybody. This is going to be a drug-free workplace. And pretty much 100% of my staff was like, well, then I'm out of here. 
So it wasn't even, I'm not saying it's easy, but it was something that didn't happen because it was just that, I had no idea that like 100% of my staff were using drugs. So it was really eye-opening for me. So I kind of think, you know, it's probably good to talk about it, maybe even with the whole staff, and then try to help find ways for people to get some help, some treatment. And there's out there, um, there's some, I have a whole list of, resources. In the restaurant industry, there's a bunch of um, different, uh, there's a thing called uh, Restaurant Recovery, and there's another one called Ben's Friends, and they're like mm -hmm. websites, and they, people talk all together, people that are in the bar business and the restaurant business, and they actually take some of the profits to pay for certain people mm -hmm. to like get treatment, but they also do it's not like an AA meeting, but it's like a meeting online with people that are in the industry, and it's really fabulous. It would be a really good thing to take a look at, maybe, and implement something like that specific to the brewery industry. So there's like seven different of those those places yeah. that people can go. But you know, there's also outpatient treatment, which is much more reasonable. Of course, I'm preaching that because that's what I do, <laughs> but it's much more reasonable than inpatient. Yeah. You know, one of the reasons why people resist the inpatient is because they feel like, you know, I can't afford to stop working for 30 days and I, who's going to take care of my family and what's going to happen? Plus, it's very expensive. Well, so, yeah, from an, and we're, I've got to watch the time and be respectful of it so that we can take a hard break. Um, but in the second half, we would, I think we need to talk about that because insurance, small business, if you own a small business, um, a lot of people, I th I'm sure, I know there's a few breweries here that do offer insurance benefits to their employees, but a lot of breweries, unfortunately, don't have the budget to be able to do that. So the employees are oftentimes referred out to the community or referred out to ACA or individual health plans. I think we had talked about that. And I think that really is a huge barrier to receiving mental health um, care and services. And I am getting questions as they're coming in. Um, but I want to be mindful of the time and I want to address them in our second half, but they're very good questions that we can definitely hit on. So if we have just a second, mm -hmm. um, in the healthcare industry, we um, have developed kind of an acronym for ways of addressing problems, which I really like because, you know, I teach young people and we call it cuss words. Um, I'm concerned, I'm uncomfortable, or that situation made me uncomfortable and safety. And so those are really very neutral terms to use when you're trying to address um, your observations or your concerns about an employee. Um, and I think that, that once you make that your culture, when people hear you using your cuss words, they know that it's, it's serious and that you care. Yeah. So, um, and you're not, and I brought this question up because someone was asking, you know, how do you, how do your employee, employees feel about you assuming a diagnosis for them? So it's not necessarily an assumption of diets. You're looking at an individual, you're having some concerns. Maybe they're not showing up to work on time. They've gotten a DUI. Uh, their life is falling apart at home. Whatever those factors may be, those are signs that there's something probably going on where they need help. And you don't have to get into the nitty gritty with them, right. and that would be not appropriate anyway, right. but to definitely point them into the direction of the services or resources mm -hmm. in the community that would be helpful to them. Yeah, I think Leanne's having a list of services. That's a great thing to have. Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, we don't talk about it, and yet I've worked with community mental health for a really long time. The services are there because 
you know, people know that they're needed services and not every insurance is going to cover mental health treatment, substance abuse treatment. Well, my, our services are paid for by the court system, by the counties and the state, so they're free. I mean, you have to get you into the to, legal system. You yeah. have to make a big, big mistake. <laughs> I'm not encouraging that. <laughs> yeah. Once you get arrested, oh, yeah. well, you have to pro probation. Yes, right. <laughs> you have to pay court costs, probation, so it's paid right. for by you yeah. <laughs> in but other it, ways. But at least we're seeing the state yeah. and the counties realizing this is such a huge issue. Yeah. And the opioid crisis is really what kind of has pushed that yeah. open. We'll end here because I again want to be respectful of snack time because you know we work in industry where snacks are equally as important as beer. So um, we'll take a break and we'll reconvene at 11:30, which is the second continuation to this. All right, so that was part one. Um, yeah, it, 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 it gets, a, it, there's a lot of information. There really is. And I have to thank um, Leanne to be on there. And also we had a friend of ours, Cindy Parsons, on there. So Leanne, Leanne Cura, Cindy Parsons, uh, thank you for being on there. Also, my girl, uh, Devin, we've been talking about Devin over at Seven Sun for a while because we had the Justin episode. And I, I have to be honest by now, I, I think it's been said, um, you know, well, actually, we'll talk about that in, this, in next week. Let's just say that. Devin, I love you, girl. And uh, her episode's going to be coming up soon. Uh, and I don't like to talk about events, but they do have something coming up. And if you are listening when this is released, I have to do something that I haven't done yet with, with what else yet. And that's not getting political, but that's standing my fucking ground. And I am going to say something that I feel is very important. And when I asked Devin... If it is okay, like, what should I do about an episode that is up about what else? Yeah, uh, interview interview that we did. She said, keep it. History is history, and we can't change that. But uh, with her episode, we can do more. And I was like, hell yeah. That's actually the way to put it. Um, I don't want to get into much more because we have another episode of this coming up. We have the second part of it, and you're going to have to wait till next week. It is not that same bat time, same bat channel. It is just what else, you guys. So this is going to be two episodes coming up back to back, but I have to, have to, have to. Uh, I needed to give some shout-outs. Um, first of all, I always need stickers and Sticker Wolf. Please, if you have not checked out Sticker Wolf, uh, Ryan Fleming over at Sticker Wolf uh, went from just making stickers as a he's done a lot of things for rapping and he does he has high biz uh high biz graphics that he does but i'll be honest with you ryan fleming sticker wolf has went from stickers and now he's doing keg wraps coasters labels the stickers that you see that we do these these buttons now he's doing buttons so i love you sticker wolf he has brought in and i feel like we have helped in in so many ways because we talk about you guys all the time when we hand out stickers and when we're on the podcast so if you see a lot of stickers coming from the breweries that are local and now he's even going national with these stickers, guys, stickers from Sticker Wolf that you notice, that you see, are so durable. They are amazing. Uh, the stickers that you get from us from our Patreon when we ship out shirts or part of our sticker and button package, this is amazing to us. And and again, Sticker Wolf. So please, find them on Facebook. Definitely follow them on, on Instagram. See the die cut. See the, the glossiness. See what Sticker Wolf is doing. I have to do a shout out to Ryan all the time because honestly, you people ask us all the time, 
where are these stickers? How do you get them? They, they, they're on the car. They have not, they have not faded out. And honestly, we've been doing sticker wool for now over a year, maybe 13 months. And people, I see them from people at work or even at festivals that the stickers are not even losing the gloss. And I'm like, shit, these are awesome stickers. Okay, thank you uh, to Ryan and, and Sticker Wolf. Love you, guy. Uh, huge thank you, thank you, thank you, and shout out. Sean Norquist, you're my hero, man. Thank you for making us part of this. He is your executive director over at the Guild, the Florida Brewers Guild. He made this happen for us as well. And honestly, I really appreciate all the kind words that you've said. Mike Dyer, who's over there also, um, also at Tampa Bay Brewing. Uh, Mike, I can't wait to get you on the mic and sit down with you. Um, You've been amazing to us. And also Kent Bailey. He is our president over at Coppertail. He's the president of the Florida Brewers Guild. Uh, A lot happening with the Florida Brewers Guild. And a lot of things that are happening that I can't wait to announce soon. I mean, shortly. Within a month, I have something coming out. So, really excited about that on the East Coast. Guys, it is going so well for for what we see in Florida and Florida beer. So, meant to keep this short under four minutes it is over four minutes this outro again my thank yous to the florida brewers guild i love you guys i love you i love you anything you need and also hey again we're making more stickers with sticker wolf so we have more coming out because we're at more festivals we are more places and we're doing more video uh again think about the patreon it is patreon.com slash what ails ya and also don't forget instagram facebook Email me, email me at tastingnotes at what ails ya dot beer. I don't even know what a dot com is. So tasting notes at what ails ya dot beer. Uh, look us up. I'm doing a lot more. Uh, putting my feet on the ground to say this is where I belong and a lot more with what ails ya, guys. So, um, all right. Till next week. Thank you. <laughs>